Is this thing on? Hello, and um, welcome back to the SSC Voice Podcast. Podcast by students, for students. My name is Brian, as you may know. And today, I did an interview with Chef Ryan Brown, who's one of the professors at, in the St. Louis Culinary Program. It was a fantastic conversation. Um, we, you know, we talked about his start in the culinary field, uh, some things that he likes to cook, some things we don't really realize about kitchens. And then we just kind of got a nice little tangent about just cooking culture and what life as a chef is like. And I think it's a really great uh, bit of knowledge for anybody that you know, everyone loves to go to restaurants. So understanding what's going on behind the scenes is fantastic. And for anybody that's interested in cooking or food or just learning, I think there's some really great little snippets in there that anybody can take, even if you're not like a foodophile. Uh, so with that, please enjoy this interview. Welcome back to the Voice Podcast. As you may well know, I'm Brian. And joining me today is Chef Brian Brown. He's one of the professors at the SLC Kingston Culinary Management Program. He spent seven years working overseas, and now he's spent the past decade teaching a whole generation of cooks here in Kingston. Thank you for joining us today, Ryan. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, it's awesome to be here, and I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> Uh, we, we have a lot, of, I've had a lot of people from the business program on, uh, just because that, that's who I know, that's who I've been dealing with recently. And as some people may know, I actually spent some years in cooking in the culinary industry. So it's fun to have someone like you on and just kind of go back to there and get someone from the, some of the skilled trades of professions, because, you know, it's an important industry and a lot of people don't really think about cooking a lot as an excellent career. And but man, it's a, it's a beautiful career. It's a lot of fun. Like, and I'm sure you feel the same way, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I knew, I knew from pretty much about the age of 20 that I wanted to be uh, a cook and a chef. And um, okay. I didn't really grow up with too much of it, but uh, it really hooked me when I, um, when I went to cooking school. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so what drew you, what drew you to that then? Like, if you didn't really have that as a part of your background, like what drew you to culinary school? Was it like a dish you tasted or something like that or what? Um, Honestly, I, I started uh, the way a lot of people do, um, just washing dishes in a, in a restaurant. And, uh, and I, I, did, I did love it. It was my own little station where I could, you know, organize everything myself and keep it all, you know, clean. And so anyways, um, I remember my, my first kitchen I worked in and this really tall uh, German chef came up to me and, and it, he, he played the part, right? He had the, <laughs> the you know, the, the pressed white jacket, the long apron, the, the clogs that put him up about two inches. And uh, he, he came up to me and he's just like, hey boy. I was like, oh geez. <laughs> and, um, he gave me a um, broccoli soup. And okay. I was like, oh, this is, so I tasted it and it was fireworks. It blew me away. And I, I kind of looked at him. I was like, how did you make this? Like <laughs> the, the color was, it was so vivid green, you know, versus what I grew up with in a, in a can. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it tasted so much like the essence of, of broccoli and um, it was so smooth. And so it was just perfect. The seasoning, everything. And I, I was like, you need to teach me this. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he kind of took me under his wing, and him and my uncle worked together. So that was my that in, my in. So yeah. that's, that's great. I, I find that's one of the really common ways that people get into restaurants, right? Is it's just a job at first, and some people just get pulled in by it, and whether it's the food itself or the culture, and they they come to love with it later. Like I started working at Moxie's in Kingston when it was like 
talented working there and I had some friends that worked there. It was just the same thing. It was, it was a job, you know, I, and I started in this fit too. And I feel like a lot of people do a lot of great chefs do start in this fit just because you, you kind of, you learn the cult, you learn how to work in that environment there. Uh, and you learn that, you know, no one, no job is beneath anybody. You know, like, and yeah. these, these things have to get done. Right. And so people that kind of look down these dishes, I don't think they last long. You have to, you have to be really respectful of the people you work with. And you, you kind of sneak peeks of what everyone's doing. You're like, how, what, what secrets can I get today? Right. When you're, well, that's just playing. it. It's a great place to walk. You know, like, and you, you have five minutes cause you're, cause you're ahead and you've already cleared the dish pit. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll jump out and start, start tossing some fries. And it's a great way to get in the line. It's a lot of fun though. I do, I do remember one thing too, where um, I always remember, and the, a lot of people I think may have this in common uh, or maybe not, I'm not sure. Um, but I remember looking always at um, spice cabinets and, and dry herb yeah. cabinets and you're like, oh my God, there's someone who actually knows how to use all this <laughs> in the right quantities and the right combinations. And it's like, what kind of, you know, it just, it seemed like alchemy to me, like crazy. So that was another interest uh, to get so, me in. As this side here, like, I'm like, there's a lot of people kind of, we're talking about some of the culture aspects. A lot of people kind of look at savory chefs as you know, kind of just winging on a prayer. Are are you one of those chefs, or are you more like kind of um, recipe based, or what, what's your style with that? Um, I think uh, I think based on my entire career, I've been I've been cooking for about twenty three years now, okay. um, and I would say the first decade of that was easily just kind of going with it and. Okay. you know i would i would mess a lot of stuff up but i was <laughs> i was kind of like that okay if it needs more seasoning add it if it needs to if i need to alter something you know change yeah. it um and i would say the the last um i'd say the last 10 yeah 10 to 12 years i really got into the the baking aspect um, nice. and you you just can't mess around with that you like you'll have a certain formula you you can't add your salt later right if you forget it in a, in a bread dough or a you know, a, a creme caramel or something like that, you, you miss the sugar. It's like, you, you, you can't do that. So um, what I, what I tell a lot of students is um, they may not be interested in baking at all, but if you can kind of harness the skills that you would get as a baker or, or a pastry chef, and then take them back to the savory kitchen, um, it only makes you more versatile and it makes you more valuable in the kitchen, to be honest. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> anyone who knows me now they would say i'm very particular um okay. i do like the um the more intricate things but that's not to say that you know some of the most simple things are can be the most difficult right something like making the perfect um palm puree or mashed potatoes is yeah <laughs> you can mess that up a hundred different ways but to get it bang on is um easy but tricky at the same time so well, the joke is always, you know, with French cooking, mashed potatoes, all you need to do is do is like a half a pound of butter and a half a pound of potatoes. Just hide it behind the richness. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's funny, uh, it's funny to say that though, because so I, I know a couple of people that are in the culinary program now and they're all in first year. So they told me that like they haven't had a chance to have you teach them yet, but they've heard about your recipes. They've seen your recipes. So that's funny that you said that. that, that, that I think that that aspect of you has pervaded even the people I haven't even met you yet. So I, I think that that's a great, great, great reputation to have. One of my that's, last sounds about right. Uh, what I what I've heard. Um, yeah, I, in the first <laughs> year, usually only um, there's so many of us teaching in the culinary program that I only get to about fifty percent of the first years. But we usually get them all in the second year if they if they do carry on. And um, okay. yeah, it's uh, I'm a 
I'm a slave for the metric. Uh, the imperial uh, measurements, eh, pounds and ounces kind of throw me off. I can't stick them in my head, but yeah. there's no escape with metric. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of little things. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, when I was in culinary school, one of my best classes was math. And I think that's kind of uh, an indicator of where I went with my, with my career now where I'm training to be an accountant. Like, and you were saying about the, uh, learning some of the baking aspects and like how it kind of can affect how you look at other things. I worked yeah. at Garmanger at Olive downtown. And so I was baking the bread and I was doing desserts and things like that. And then I, I carried that forward to other restaurants after. So I started kind of carving myself out a role in somewhat savory and somewhat some of the other aspects. And I, I think like learning that method of like keeping things really on track and knowing exactly what's coming up in those next like 15 steps, I think that's really helped me even outside of the kitchen. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Learning how to bake and learning how to handle that aspect and just the chemistry aspects in the organization, I think it's really, really crucial for anybody to learn, even if you're not going to do it on a day-to-day basis. And the cleanliness, as you mentioned, it's the, I mean, if you can keep a clean station and it almost seems like you can, you can produce products and, um, you know, get through your day and it almost, it's, you're almost like a ninja where it, no one can tell you've been there. And that's, if you, if you can do that. And I did not start that way. I was more like me every dish, I will just mess everything up and I'll, I'll clean it later. And, you know, in the real world, you can't steal all the equipment from everyone <laughs> every day. So no, not quite. Yeah. That getting that meets together and like having a clean apron at the end of the night shows that you're on point. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're putting it out, yeah. uh, you sell it, still have a clean apron and you're, you're at your station beds and you look past, you're like, Oh man, it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling. I definitely was not on the tricks and it's not being a cook anymore. <laughs> so one thing I do remember though, is like on the line, like I'm not sure for the Russians you've worked in, but a lot of the Russians I worked in, music was a pretty common thing. So if you were like, you know, the classic trapped in a desert island scenario, you can only listen to the catalogs of three different artists. Who would it be? Okay. Um, I know, sorry. It, this, uh, okay. a, lot of, a lot of people don't know that I was a, I was a drummer for about seven years. Um, okay, cool. High school and college. So forgive me for this first choice, but I will have to say Pantera. <laughs> Um, the give you I'm down with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, I found being a drummer, the heavier, the music, um, the more fun it was to the drum you get, you know, you cover yourself in, you know, cymbals and, uh, <laughs> I had a, uh, well, I still do. I, I have a, um, uh, a set of, um, cherry red pearl drums. Okay. And so anyways, the first choice Pantera, just because, um, we were in a, we were in a, you know, a metal slash heavy rock band and, it was awesome. <laughs> do that. Um, second choice. Again, I'm going to be all over the map here, but the second choice, um, and this wasn't age restricted or, or based or anything. Um, I've always liked classical and like, especially like swing music. Um, okay. like, um, you know, Dean Martin. And so I honestly, I would say Dean Martin and going from Pantera to Dean Martin. It's kind of like, Oh my God, what's going on. I love it. Shows some range. It's beautiful. <laughs> Um, also, too, the, I did work in a restaurant where they would actually put classical music on only for service and you would only hear the head chef. It was such a unique situation that, you know, you could play whatever you wanted usually and, and half the time it would be quiet. But uh, yeah. And then the third one, um, it's not really not really an artist, but and I wouldn't knock it until you try it. But if anyone has ever heard the um, the audiobooks of. Uh, Harry Potter by Stephen okay. Fry. It has to be by Stephen Fry. There's another. Um, there's another version which is not nearly as good. But he <laughs> do any of the the voices and from the 
first sentence in the first book till the, the very end, it's, uh, I, yeah, I, I would honestly just, it, it's hard to find, uh, but if you can find it, it's, it's days of listening. So um, that's, that sounds delightful. I, I'm of that perfect age where I think I was like just about Harry Potter's age, like as I was growing up for the first couple of books. So like I'm 32 now. And so, yeah, I, I grew up reading this book. So I, it's definitely one of those kind of comfort going back ones. Like once every couple of years, I'll, I'll spend a couple of days in the summer. I'll, I'll just kind of just burn right there. And just, that's, at this age, it's pretty quick read, but they're still so fun. And they're, they're just, it, it feels like welcoming back to old friends. It's just a beautiful story. And there's the way it progresses all through. And Stephen Fry's got a, a great voice. So I can absolutely see that. Being oh yeah. Unless yeah. He makes it. I mean, I, I was so hesitant to even to start it because you know, oh, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't really hugely focused on it. And then I started listening to that and I'm like, man, it just, yeah, it's awesome. So. <laughs> hey, we all have those little things in life, you know, uh, myself, it's, yeah, I, I have some artists like that too. I, you know, I have some books that are kind of like comfort ones I go back to. And one thing I remember from the kitchen is just after a long day, sometimes it's been tough and you need like a comfort dish you want to come back home and eat. What's that comfort dish for you? <laughs> okay you don't have to cook um, for I, yourself I, you can be there you, you don't have to cook when you come home i don't know how hard that is to cook it's we never cook for ourselves right so if it could just be sitting there when you got done work what would it be that's what it, yeah so yeah i'm gonna be honest um usually it's gonna be cereal something that isn't <laughs> uh but i'll be honest um anything if you if anyone decides to cook for a chef um they're usually safe with that i mean that is usually the best thing as long as it's something different that we haven't been making all day it it's like the best thing in the world and um my and it's much more appreciated too uh, i gotta say my my gal emily she was originally she was very um nervous to uh, to cook around me and just kind of terrified and uh i got it but at the same time i was like yeah i i, I can understand that and um you know with and she it didn't take very long. She got her confidence and, and cooked and, and she made some amazing things and she was a really good cook. So I think that um, confidence going hand in hand with um, cooking, that it, it'll be more fun. It'll be um, more enjoyable and you'll, it'll be a better product. I mean, I suppose it's the basis of culinary school in general, but uh, yeah, I would say there, there isn't a speciality or anything I'm going after specifically. It's more, um, the act of having someone just kind of cook for you. Yeah, so, a, a dish that you know, dish that someone cares about you enough to make and put, put some love into it, right? It's always going to taste better than whatever you make, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> unless you're at work. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, like I just I recently reread re uh, Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain because that book is just it's one of my comfort books. It's one of the, every couple of years I have to go back and read it, and I, I love the section where he talks about like. The reason why restaurant food tastes better because everyone's just dumping just like pounds of butter and oil into things it's like you know no matter if you go to a restaurant like obviously it's better ingredients as well cooks but the real secret is we're just adding just a metric ton of fat just in, into everything and it's going to taste great because of this but what can you do right um so one of the things you brought up you know we're talking about how with cooks we don't really cook for ourselves much like what are some other kind of kitchen culture things that people might not know um, well, I suppose it, there's, I mean, 
a lot of people think of the the darker side of it first with the, yeah. the culture and everything where you picture like the you know the alcohol the drinking and the drugs and the the lack of sleep and and working yeah. all the time kind of thing um or you could look at you know the it's always the perfect ambiance and the lighting and everything and um, and the service but for me i would say my the kind of like the culture that i was introduced to um strict focused and demanding <laughs> i would say would be the um yeah the overall thing that i yeah. kind of take away so I, I agree with that it's um i, I worked in some nice restaurants uh, i worked in some some places that were less nice and i i found that yeah like when you get to a certain level there the, the level of artistry and focus is required to to really put out some great food even though like I worked for a really nice banker company. And even that, it, you might just be doing the same thing 500 times, but yeah. to have perfectly cooked like six different elements that are gonna be on the plate, all of them then have to like, to store them having going on at the exact perfect time, 500 for a plate, it takes some focus and dedication and some yeah. incredible teamwork. And I think that's one of the other ones is like, there's the teamwork component of working in a kitchen. Is, even if you're, you're on your own station, you're never truly alone because you're having to, to fire things at the same time for the window as people like across the kitchen. So just the level mm -hmm. of, of yeah, communication I, is incredible. Yeah, I found um, it was almost like a like a, a doorway into this exclusive kind of versatile club of exciting people where they would be, um, you know, they would be relaxing and partying during the nine to five push for most people, right? And yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, it was, and I suppose in any, I suppose in any profession you have the different levels of caliber where um, if you know if you're looking at the overall culture of the uh, you know the restaurant industry you're going to have the um, the chefs with like their pressed uniforms and their you know uh, long aprons and shiny black shoes and chef toques and things and then in other kitchens you'll have people you know just in um, you know t-shirts and um, you know shorts and socks and kind of thing and both of them are great I think um, for myself I, I kind of I was drawn to the former uh, of those and um, yeah, I don't know. I just, they were, the whole thing was, it was kind of like a different breed altogether where it was, I don't know, you were like a tight knit family and yeah. wherever you worked, it, it, it didn't really matter. And it's one of those things where travel would also be, um, not just recreational, but a way to, um, further your career and you can further your career learning, um, certain cooking skills, um, straight from the source right traditionally and authentically so um yeah it was kind of i don't know <laughs> absolutely that, that was my overall first impression but uh i it's a it's a beautiful impression I, kitchens they can deliver a lot of different things and it depends on where you work and i feel like your first uh experience is always gonna shape you a little bit so what was that first restaurant you worked in <laughs> my first restaurant there was several but uh okay it was well, the uh, first one you want to mention Okay, yeah. Um, the first one I worked in uh, was called the Schmaltz Country Inn, and uh, it was uh, a very small place in in Mild May, Ontario. And I uh, that's where I started as a dishwasher and a line cook. And but I did learn some very cool, um, very fundamental. Uh, now that was a lot of French cuisine, but um, uh, learning demi glace for the first time, right? Learning. Um, handmade pastas and um, yeah. soup tactics that I actually still use today. Um, sandwiches and soups and, um, and salads. And I think actually working at that place 
um, with the, uh, you know, the, the German fella and my, um, my uncle that kind of spurred me to go to culinary school. So. That, that sounds like an incredible place to start. Like to, to be serving a range of cuisine and be making it by hand like that, I can only imagine that was just an incredible experience. And like, so when you were there, like, was it one of those environments where it was really conducive like to learning or were they- Oh yeah, yeah, it was very, <laughs> they, they played a trick on the first day. They, they said about two words to me and they, they gave me a whole list, uh, you know, a, a list of things to do. Um, in about an hour so uh, you know this little kid comes in and I, and I said oh my god you're tall <laughs> and uh, I think they they gave me way too much like um, and oh, yeah. they just kept giving me the evil eye and I'm just sitting here picking up this knife that I've never I was like Jesus I gotta do this and this one and um, so and I was sweating like visibly and oh I don't know how they kept a straight face so then after the hour they just burst it laughing and I was like you swines how dare you <laughs> so of course, there's a lot of tricks you can, um, oh, you know, yeah. play on the people. I'm guilty myself, but uh, it, but beyond that, it was very, um, very welcoming and uh, absolutely like you make a mistake, um, okay, that's fine. We'll fix it this way. Mm -hmm. um, you make the second mistake, you you know you get get a towel whipping or something. <laughs> the third time, it's a pretty good talking to, but yeah. um, usually, you know, you you get it on the first try, um, you know, or the first mistake, I should say. So, that's, that's it. I, and I find that people that are going to survive in kitchens are the ones that they can learn from their mistakes. And you know, I mean, it's you, you like, you know, when you're messing up and hopefully you can catch it and like, hey, how, how can I fix this? Because a lot of times there are fixes, even if it's, you know, not going to end up in an ideal product, it's still going to end up in a usable product or it's going to be usable in another former context. Yep. Uh, the people that don't, don't last long are the ones that think they're always right. And that's, that's not a, not a mentality that's going to work unless you were just a born chef, which, I'm sure there's something like there, but most people you have to learn. <laughs> Not the average employee. Uh, um, no. And also too, uh, I mean, I've worked, uh, I've actually worked at the Michelin level um, right. when I was traveling. And um, so, yeah, I traveled for about seven years and it was about, I think it was six different countries. And um, wow. there was a few, there was a few places that were, you know, the head chef, it was like being on, you know, Gordon Ramsay, where it was just scream. It was either just very oh, quiet yeah. or screaming, and um, the the quality of food was excellent. It was amazing, and that's why I, I stayed. But um, teaching based on uh, teaching and instructing based on fear only goes so far, uh, and like intimidation. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. as long lasting. Like the long, there's no longevity to that, and it's a lot more motivating um, to, you know tell people they did a, a good job when they've done a good job and not just um, expect it and not say anything. Do you know what I mean? They need, you know, they need praise, but um, so I've seen both ways to do it. And um, I, a long time ago, I promised myself I would never um, teach people, you know, like that. Um, you know, I hear you. I, I never thankfully had to work for a screamer. I've <laughs> only heard the stories and I can imagine it would just be just absolutely soul draining. And like in cooking. Yeah. And if you think about it, yeah. Oh, sorry. If you think about it too, I mean, if you have to, um, if you're screaming that much, you're doing something wrong perpetually. <laughs> so you, yeah, this shouldn't be a problem every day kind of thing. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And one of those things that I think going back to what we were talking about before is one of the areas I find that people don't really think about in terms of kitchens is how much teaching is involved. 
it, it's because you're constantly relaying information to, to the next generation, to the people that are, you're working with, people you're working under, uh, even the people you're working beside, just teaching new techniques and things. Mm -hmm. Was there a moment that made you want to, to become an actual professor? Um, <laughs> probably two reasons. One yeah. uh, is a little bit more easy. So the, <laughs> yeah, the um, I would say the first one is that the general public, as far as I know, the people I, I talk to, they have an attention span of about a minute to two minutes if you're talking about cooking. It depends. And you don't even have to be into like the scientific aspects of it. Like it can just be regular cooking. And after about two minutes, they kind of they wander. And I mean, my mom and dad are the same way, right? They're, I'll talk to them. Oh, what are you doing? Like, two minutes, <laughs> two minutes to get through, you know, these point bullet Everything. Or, or yeah, bullet points. Um, so and suddenly you have uh, these students who are, you know, they'll, they'll hang off your every word. They're, they're dedicating their time and their money. And, yeah. um, and they, they always want to hear more stories. They want to learn about more skills. And, and that's, it's, it was a perfect match. I mean, they'll, they'll follow you right down that rabbit hole and until you, <laughs> as far as you want to talk. Right. So, and, and as, as far as you want to show them. Um, the second one was actually, um, uh, someone that I work with uh, named Richard Hendy and ah, 20 yes. years ago. Yeah. So 20 years ago, he was, um, he was actually my sous chef when I was doing my, uh, my cooking apprenticeship. And that's, oh, wow. that's how I met him. So we, you know, we, uh, we kept in contact and during the traveling and all that sort of thing. And um, I eventually moved back to Canada, um, worked in Toronto for a year. And then uh, I was working in Gananoque on a pastry station. Okay. Um, doing some really cool stuff and I would and he was working at uh, St. Lawrence for the culinary program at the time so once a year he would we would meet up um, you know usually in Gananoque and we would discuss like oh what's going on with you and um, what are you making these days you know the the kitchen life and the you know stories and all that sort of stuff yeah and, fun. yeah and uh, once a year he would drop this thing and he would say you know based on how you're talking and the conversation where how you can see where this is going yeah, like, yeah. and i'm like i i ignored it for the first two years i think it was, and the third year that we met up and he mentioned this i'm like man you, you keep mentioning this teaching he goes the way you're explaining it, it i mean you should give it a shot yeah um and uh so you know the third year i was like okay well maybe i'll and i ended up getting an interview for the um uh, with the coordinator at the time and yeah and uh, but yeah that's that's how it happened it wasn't something that i i set out for i was fully intending to stay in the field for you know as long as my my entire career i suppose and at that point i suppose i was cooking for about 13 years um okay but uh yeah i always i don't know I, i'm a big advocate for knowing why you're going to cook something um, I always need to know the science behind it because if you, it, it, it sticks in your head a lot better. And I tell students that too. If you are doing something just because a chef says or a recipe says, but you don't know why you're doing that step or that recipe or, you know, that stage in the, uh, the formula, then it's, you're not going to memorize it and it's not going to stick. But if you can memorize it, you, you have it for life. So I think, yeah, those two are the, are the, are the biggest <laughs> things that got me into teaching anyway. So. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, especially with the memorization stuff. I, I, I'm just, again, I'm a school for counting. And there's some of, these, some of these things that they're throwing at us. They're just, it's way over my head at times, 
But if you can remember the why it's happening, because at the end of the day, everything you're learning, and I think St. Lawrence as a whole is great with this, is teaching you why you're learning what you're learning. Because most of these things, they have, they have you know a quick way to do them. But by teaching the background knowledge, it really sets the information in. And I think that's, that's really important to actually being able to utilize the information you have rather than just parroting something out. And like everyone, everyone can just use an Excel formula or everyone can just like follow a recipe. Mm -hmm. But you have to really know what's happening to understand why it is. And I think that's, that's a really important part of learning. Yeah, I find um, if, you can, if you, you can kind of join them up, the theoretical plus the practical side, because there's honestly, there's a lot of students that are strictly practical. They hate the theory. Um, and then there's the, the flip side of the bookworms, right? Where, and I'm, I, I like to be both, but um, if, if it's something new, I really like to research it first and then kind of, uh, get in the kitchen and put it to practice because then you're going to notice a lot of mistakes that the theoretical could never prepare you for right um, and and vice versa if something goes wrong in the kitchen and it's uh you know a practical application and you you burn something all the hell or whatever <laughs> um then you want to know why and like how did that color so fast how like what went wrong and um yeah so if you can have the two together it works a lot better i find and um and, and i realized too that Anytime, even if you're not in charge of the kitchen or even, you know, the head chef or sous chef or, or station chefs or anything, even if you're a, um, you're an apprentice, you're still um, an example to other people in the kitchen. People are watching you regardless of your position. Um, and yeah, it's that, this is why uh, we were circling back to the um, behavior and the, um, and your overall, you know, mood in the kitchen and everything. And that's so important. Even if you have all the skills in the world, you need to be, have that personality and the, um, and be a team player, to be honest. So. I agree. And we actually, we're gonna have a whole section we're gonna talk about, but we've gone really long as I've been really enjoying this conversation. I think though that's gonna be the note that we leave on today. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to kind of shout out to the audience before we head out? Um, no, it's, it's, been great to be here um there we always need more time for you yeah. know in in labs and theory classes and things there's so much we could uh we could talk about but uh yeah um yeah i no, agree i think that's that's it so well we'll have to have you uh we'll have to maybe bring you and check handy at some point we can we can have some fun stories from the kitchen that i think that'd be a fantastic podcast so uh thank you very much for coming on with us today we really appreciate it and Cheers. No problem. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, it was, it was lovely to be here. And um, yeah, it was fun. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Yeah,